Monmouth, Illinois, uh, Pastor Mike Blake and Bo Green. They are good friends of our church, and so uh, they come here in April, and they watch our kids during our vision conference, and uh, then we go there in November during their vision conference, so we just kind of trade work with the uh, church there, and uh, you're... uh, their speaker this year was Brian Clark from London. He's a he's a good friend of our church as well, and he is a missionary in uh, London. And so, uh, anyway, uh, you probably got to see Brian during the daytime. Uh, so they watch kids in the evening, and then there were some daytime things going on. That uh, anyway, I, I went one year. I'd li- I'd like to go again. So Pam, you, each year I think, gosh, I got to go next year. So. Uh, I went with Jeff Trude, and there was like four of us men stayed in like the attic of a big old house there. So we we stayed with the people, and they fed us every night. Just good good fellowship. It's really a a very affordable uh, mission trip. It, re- it really is a mission trip. So yeah. anyway, uh, let me uh, try to think how I want to start out here today. I think I'll. Uh, we've got uh, Dawn and Diana here today. Maybe I'll just kind of rehearse just a little bit, kind of get us up to speed. But uh, we are in Jeremiah 32, but I <clears throat> I think I want you to go to, uh, I think I want you to go to 2 Kings 25 at the first. Let's try 2 Kings 25. <clears throat> Kind of get a timeline going here. <coughs> so this is uh this is like the last uh, five kings, I believe, of of uh, Judah, <clears throat> and so Josiah he reigned for thirty one years, and uh, the Shehalem he was only three months, <clears throat> and Jehoiakim was eleven years, and Coniah was three months. And Zedekiah was 11 years. So some of these kind of go by different names. I think this also goes by Jehoiachin. But anyway, uh, so these are the last five kings. And uh, if you remember, Josiah, he really had a heart for the Lord. He was like their last good king. And he... uh, the Bible says because his heart was right, uh, God would not allow him to see uh, destruction. So I kind of compare this a little bit to our day and age, and I, I really think if, if you and I have have a right heart, God, God will protect us and he won't allow us to see some of these other things. So, uh, but Nebuchadnezzar... Uh, the king of Babylon uh, for about 19 years 
Nebuchadnezzar, he, he besieged Jerusalem. And right at the first, he carried away Daniel. <clears throat> and uh, about ten years later, he carried away Ezekiel. And then right here at the end, he's going to carry away Zedekiah. So he, he captures the country, and with Daniel, he carries away like the best of the land. And, of course, with Ezekiel, he's obviously a man of God. And, and so right at the end here is kind of a remnant that's left there. And so uh, when we pick up our story, you might think of, when I think of Jeremiah, I think of a, a persecuted prophet. And he was. And today is when we're going to see he was actually put in jail for his faith. And uh, we know that the Apostle Paul, the same thing. But let's look at the end of Second Kings there, 25. And that's going to line up pretty, pretty close to right where we're at. In 2 Kings 25, who would read verses 1 and 2 for us while I'm getting there? 2 Kings 25, 1 and 2. I'll do it. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month and the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his hosts against Jerusalem, and pitched against it, and they built forts against it round about. And the king was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. <clears throat> All right, so that that's this guy right here. Uh, Jerusalem was besieged by this Nebuchadnezzar, and it was in the eleventh year of his reign. So uh, the following verses here go on to explain, you know, the, the capture and destruction of Jerusalem. That's the last chapter of the of the kings. And so uh, you, you see kind of a timeline there. It's the ninth year of his reign. And, and so now, now go to Jeremiah 22. I'm sorry, 32. <clears throat> Jeremiah 32 is where we're at today. And we're going to see uh, what Second Kings just talked about that uh, Sarah read. So hopefully this kind of got us a running start. We get a little snapshot of history. And all of this... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar I should use a different color thing here but but this was about 606 605 BC and uh, all the way up until uh, 587 BC so anyway this is uh, these are these 19 years that uh, so this was about about 600 years before the Lord was born and that uh, blessed time of the year that Jim talked about yeah. <laughs> deer, deer season Land of deer. slash Christmas <laughs> well, that <was> <laughs> right right <laughs> our daughter texted me this week that she's been having discussion with another Christian lady that what time of the year Jesus was really born so I mm-hmm. it was good to She's having those discussions. Yeah. Can you keep a hold of that? So, all right, Jeremiah 32. And uh, I'll just read verses 1 through 5 to get us started. 
Jeremiah 32. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah. And I think what Sarah read was the ninth year. So very close to exactly what 2 Kings 25, 1 and 2 says. Tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. So if he besieged Jerusalem for 19 years... And it's in the eleventh year, so it's it's real. It's about a year. This is about one year prior to Judah being taken into Babylonian captivity. So, everybody with me? Mm-hmm. All right. Verse two. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king of Judah's house. And so Jeremiah was in jail, in prison, and I guess the king's house had some kind of prison in it. And these next three verses is why Jeremiah was there because he prophesied against the king and so the king locked him up. Verse 3. For Zedekiah king of Judah had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah king of Judah shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes, and he shall lead Zedekiah to to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. So you can imagine that made him uh, pretty upset, didn't it? Uh, if 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 you were to go to you know a leader in our country and say you know. Russia is going to come and take you and you're going to see his eyes and he's going to see your eyes. You're going to talk to him and he's going to lead you away into Russia. You know, that wouldn't go over very well. So uh, it angered the king. So the king locked him up. And so Jeremiah is in prison during this time. And uh, hold your place here and look at uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel says something similar. Look at Ezekiel chapter 12. In verse 13, it's really neat how, so Ezekiel's in captivity when he's saying this, and uh, somebody read Ezekiel 12, 12 and 13, because this I think is talk, it's talking about uh, Zedekiah. And the prince that is among them shall bear upon his shoulder in the twilight, and shall go forth. They shall dig through the wall to carry out thereby. He shall cover his face, that he see not the ground with his eyes. My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet shall he not see it, though he shall die there. Now that that last line that Angie read, uh, so... Nebuchadnezzar is going to take a, a net and snare and, and take someone to captivity. And I think this is a reference to Zedekiah. Why does it say he shall not see it, though he shall die there? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jim, Jim remembers the story. Uh, he does see Nebuchadnezzar. So 
we're, we're going to see before we're done with Jeremiah that the the Babylonians do break down the wall, they enter the city, they take people captive, but Zedekiah and some of his people, they kind of flee out the back way through a gate, and they're kind of on the run for their lives, but, but they get overtaken, and he does see Nebuchadnezzar face to face, and Nebuchadnezzar kills his sons, uh, Zedekiah's sons, in front of him, and then he he uh, gouges out his eyes, the king, and then he leads him to to Babylon. So he doesn't see Babylon because his eyes are he's blind, but he dies there. So that's quite a. It's very graphic. Some of this, the Bible tells some very R-rated things, kind of in a G-rated manner. <laughs> it's. It says thing he kind of oh he, he gouged his eyes out well if you were there you you'd want to turn away so uh, your blanks on your handout your top blank historically this is approximately one year prior to Judah's final deportation so the word one or the number one and then my teaching point there and. Uh, we, we can talk about this a little if you want to, that following the Lord often leads through rough terrain. The word leads. I, I really tried to kind of capture, I'm trying to think what Jeremiah is thinking. Um, I don't know if, you, if, if any of you ever met this, but I think I was, Angie and I, I believe this was when we were taking our Discipleship 2 course at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. It was either that or it was one of my first years in shepherd school. They brought in a a missionary named Daryl Chaplin. Chapman or Chaplin? But he was fairly aged at the time, so he was, had served, he, he said that his mother... And his dad, he he had bought like a one-way ticket on a ship to go to a foreign mission field. And uh, he kind of told his story. But but he said this, he he, he said, uh, because his mom, you know, was frightened for him to go to this whatever land he went to. And uh, I don't know if he said it or his mother said it, but... He told his mom, I think this is the way it went, that he was safer on that foreign soil in the will of God than taking a shower in his own bathroom at home outside the will of God. Uh-huh. And I just thought that, so so mama let him go, you know. And so they, uh, and, and he was, and God, God preserved his life, and he came back, and I think he has a son or two on the mission field, and so that was just really a cool story for me as I was, uh, you know, maturing and growing in the Lord. <clears throat> so oftentimes, uh, it. so I'm, I'm thinking of Jeremiah. You know, he's in prison, you know, away from his friends and family or whatever. But he was really in, in the will of God, wasn't he? And it was really a safe, you know, he probably wouldn't, you know, if he would have known that when he received the calling, it would have been very. But so this whole this whole book has led up to this point, 
to where he's just saying what the Lord's telling him to say, and it got him cast into prison. So it it led him through kind of a rough terrain, but uh, nevertheless, the Lord preserved him there, and uh, he he survived. I think it was earlier he was cast into a pit but pulled out, and so... um, Anyway, that's these first five verses. Now, these next six verses, um, somebody read for us verse 6 and 7. So, Jeremiah is in prison, and the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to him. And somebody read verses 6 and 7 now, back in Jeremiah 32. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shemal, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, By thee, my field, that is... What's that word? Yeah, Anathoth, I'm not sure. For the right of the redemption is thine to buy it. Yeah, and and hold your place here. Look at uh, the very first chapter of Jeremiah in verse 1. Jeremiah 1.1. Uh, we'll see, this This will help us understand the words of Jeremiah, the son of Helkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Do you see that, uh, Diane? So, uh, basically, when he's in prison now, uh, his uncle's son, so like his cousin, comes to him and say, you know, cousin, uh, I want you to buy a field back home. And so he's in Jerusalem, but this Anathoth is... uh, So Jeremiah is of the tribe of Benjamin, and this was kind of their hometown. And it's it's his right of redemption. And um, we could talk a lot about it probably. And I gave you a couple of verses from uh, Leviticus. It's kind of the law. But basically, like... If my if my son fell on hard times and he couldn't pay the rent on his house or for uh, it would be my right as a kin he were kin to each other that I could buy his his house and help keep it in the family and so there were some laws around that because the tribes were given inheritance in the promised land. <laughs> And uh, so they tried to keep the the tribes kind of segregated, or um, so anyway. There's, it's called kind of a kinsman a redemption, and we saw that in the book of Ruth. Uh, Boaz is called the kinsman redeemer, and he was able to buy this land. But part of the deal was he had to marry Ruth to get it, because she was married to the, her husband that died was related. So that was part of the package deal. That's part of the story of Ruth is to uh, buy this field. And um, I gave you your teaching point there. Uh, and I, I want us all to look at Matthew 13. This is this is important part of this. This buying the field. So Jeremiah is in prison, and he probably don't have much money, but he's going to spend it all to buy this field while he's in prison. And the field's going to be overtaken by Babylon very shortly. 
But let's look at Matthew 13. And I'm going to read two verses here. One is verse 38. So 13.38 says this, The field is the world. And I'll just stop there. So... And, and and as you uh, as you see that G- Jesus gives these uh, kingdom of heaven parables, and in the parable he's saying that the field is the world. Now look at verse forty four. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And uh, we could say a lot, but we all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he bought the field. He he gave his only begotten son, right? And uh, I brought in a book, my brother, uh, I have two brothers, I have an older and a younger but he wrote a book called By the Field, and uh, it really fits with this. And uh, I've got two of them, so if anybody wants to borrow this, they're, they're welcome to it. But, uh, in fact, I had him, this is my younger brother, wrote this. And uh, he's kind of got three sections. He's got uh, finding, finding God's call on your life following God's call on your life and finishing God's call so finding, following and finishing and he did a men's retreat for us Uh, Jim I don't think you were but we did kind of a life issues men's retreat we took like a dozen guys down to Camp Kersey Uh, anyway he he, uh, went through this book with our men's group it was just because you know like the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 it it says she considereth a field, and so that's one of his chapters: is consider a field, and uh, and it says with the work of her hand she she bought it, and so it's anyway. There's just a lot in in uh, the Word of God about uh, buying a field and considering a field, and so uh, Jeremiah did that while he was incarcerated, and uh, anyway. I wanted to, I'm just really proud of my brother. I think he wrote a second book now, but this one you can get through Amazon. And But if anybody wants to borrow that, they can. And um, anyway, that, that that's the, he signed the book with Matthew 1344 that, uh, just about the treasure hidden in the field, and and you know as you go through, even the Song of Solomon, it, it says things about uh, being in a garden, and the the Word of God talks about a garden, and a garden is kind of a part of a field, and so anyway, if the field is the world, I mean that that is our mission. We even say mission field, don't we? We say it's our mission field, and you you can be. Uh, and we even talk about that, uh, you know, I'm in the maintenance field. Uh, somebody's maybe in the engineering field. And 
Emmett is outstanding in his field. <laughs> He's a farmer. <laughs> He's sitting in here today, but he's usually outstanding in the field. So anyway, any other comments about that? This this section here, he goes through a lot of detail about... He's very careful to weigh out the money and exactly how much it would be. And the thing I was reading, it said it amounted to like ten dollars in our in our economy. So it it seemed like not very much. But what I was reading probably could be off. It could be very expensive. So yeah, the word field goes in your blank. All right, Roman numeral 3 on your thing, uh, verses 13 through 15. Now this comes up. Let's Somebody read 13 and 14 for us back in Jeremiah. Pamela, you have that? Yes. Um, and, I charge, and I charged Baruch before them, saying... Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. All right, so at the end of verse 14, it says uh, that they may continue many days. And it's believed that those many days are a reference to the 70 years of captivity. And so, uh, I don't know exactly how this transaction was, but they weighed out so much money. And then he asked this uh, Baruch to... uh, take both the evidence there's, there's like two evidences so they wrote down how much it was the date you know the signature whatever for, and they sealed that one and then the other they left open I guess for others to see so there was like two evidences here and uh, Baruch was supposed to be the steward of this and uh, I forget exactly where he puts it here but I wrote you a little thing I read about Baruch. It talks about this is the first mention of him. We're going to see him in a in a few more chapters. He's very uh, prominent and a close confidant of Jeremiah. But he's the son of Neriah, the son of Masalin. and Jeremiah owed much to his this loyal secretary who acted as his that that word is like secretary while he was in prison Baruch made a heavy sacrifice when he threw in his lot with Jeremiah and became his scribe so uh, Baruch believed the prophecies that Jeremiah was speaking and now I don't hardly ever do this but I know some of you are interested I brought in another book. This is my copy of the the Apocrypha, yeah. and uh, and there, uh, Baruch is act, there's actually a, a book of Baruch in the Apocrypha, and I think it's six chapters. And I read it a couple weeks ago. It, it don't take too long to read six chapters, and but uh, uh, one of the things it mentioned uh, here early on. 
is that he it talks about him being present in the fifth year of Nebuchadnezzar so it, it kind of follows this timeline a little bit yeah in the fifth year and in the seventh day of the month that time as the Chaldeans took Jerusalem and burned it with fire so uh, that looks that sound like the fifth year of uh, so that may be when he was uh, some of the deportations and uh, he does prophesy about some of the false gods that Israel had been worshipping and and he makes a comment to uh, suffer patiently. So, anyway, uh, this is more historical, but there is a whole book. Tell us what the apocrypha is. No, I was going to ask that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. No, that's a good... Uh, I'm trying to think what the, the word apocrypha, I think it means hidden. Yeah. I think it means... I so... Uh, how many is there 12 or 14 there's 14 14 books of the apocrypha so the apocrypha is uh, my understanding is uh, not part of what we call the canon of scripture Uh, but some bibles uh, I know the catholic bibles have the apocrypha in their bibles and the 1611 did and some of the yeah and it's as it's as usually as between the testaments. As an addendum, like there, yeah, it's, it's historic. So it's, it's uh, yeah, like you say, books that were not chosen, they were not inspired by God, but they have a historical value enough that they're included yeah. as addendums. And more evidence. Yeah, I mean it, it provides. <coughs> yeah, there's a like of truth. the yeah. Black is a good book. Bell and the Dragon is a real good book about Daniel and kind of the things that were going on historically. Uh, there there are I've got a list of at least half a dozen places that uh, some Catholics get their doctrine for uh, um, indulgences out of the Apocrypha so there's some heretical things in it that's why uh, and and also even praying to the dead um, and there's Uh, yeah purgatory I think is one of the and some of that comes from the apocrypha so you do have to kind of be careful but uh, there are some historical good things and anyway I thought I'd just help you see uh, some things from a little different angle but this Baruch was a historical guy and the, the thing that I thought was interesting he that Pam read there it says in verse 14, to put them in an earthen vessel, <clears throat> and uh, th- that's a that's a key phrase. That that's what goes in your last two blanks at the bottom. But l- let's all turn to the uh, the words earthen vessel. I just this is one of the cool things you can do you know, with your King James Bible is be able to cross reference words and phrases. And, and that's what First Corinthians two says. It says to compare spiritual things with spiritual things is how we uh, understand the spirit. It says no man knoweth the spirit of God, but the spirit of God. But we we uh, can understand them by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So turn to Second Corinthians four and verse seven. Yeah. 
I can put that up here. Earthen vessel. Yeah, Second Corinthians four seven. Uh, Angie, you got that? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Yeah, so it just talked about the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it says we have, we have this treasure. In our, so you know Jeremiah probably spent every living dollar he had to buy this land and so it was a treasure to him and he had Baruch store it in an earthen vessel and it was for the the keeping of it and to have a place that he could find it later but anyway I just think that's a, a really cool verse there I mean if you when all of us probably Whatever money we have, it's in a bank, it's in a safe place, it's in something that's fortified. But no, God put his treasure in, you know, frail human earthen vessels. That, that's what it's saying is that our bodies are vessels and we are uh, to be vessels of honor. So that word vessels can be traced many places. And uh, you, you even you remember... Uh, the story of Gideon, Gideon's three hundred, and they were to put uh, lights in their in their pitchers, these earthen vessels, and then they were to break them when they were around the enemy and shout and blow the trumpet, and it would look like this invading army, of, but it was just three hundred men against, uh, I think it was over thirty thousand. And yet God's army won, and it was to let the light shine from this earthen vessel. And that, that's what we're to do. We're to let the light of Jesus Christ uh, shine in our earthen vessels. Amen? And so, anyway, um, I got, uh, some of you have linked in the little, uh, it's kind of like the Facebook for, industry and LinkedIn is anyway there was a lady on there this week that said I don't usually do this but she shared her whole testimony she's like this professional lady and she shared her testimony it was just so so beautiful and I I commented on it that Christ had changed her life and she wanted to tell other people and anyway it was just uh, and so I I like no you don't see me yeah, my education, my work experience. Oh yeah, the, the TED talks and yeah, cool. some of it's a lot of it's about leadership. But anyway, she shared her testimony. It was just really good to see that. All right, let's go to page two on her handout. This is a little bit of a lengthier chapter, but these the last sections go a little quicker. Emmett, can I have you read for us uh, 16 through 18? Are you got Jeremiah? 32, yep. And stretched out arm 
and there's nothing too hard for thee. Thou sowest many diamonds and two thousands, and the recompense they make with thee of the fathers and the bosoms of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name. Yeah, at the end of verse 17, Emmett read there, there is nothing too hard for thee. So that, that's what I put in the blank there. Uh, my, my, my thought is, well, re- read your teaching point there. Uh, Jeremiah is buying a piece of land that is doomed to be occupied by the enemy. Uh, God is testing Jeremiah's faith. So... Uh, so the word nothing goes in your blank at the top of the back page and the word enemy is the second one but you can imagine Jeremiah I mean after he's in prison I mean all of us have done or bought something foolish haven't we and you hate that gotcha feeling don't you you spent way too much you drive down the road and you see the same thing for half off you know so I feel like Jeremiah's thinking that, like, what have I just done? The enemy, I'm telling everybody that Babylon is going to capture our land, and I just bought some land. That sounds like a foolish thing to do, doesn't it? Like, if we really knew Russia was going to overtake our property, we, you know, um, we wouldn't buy another piece of property, probably. Anyway... Um, so anyway, Jeremiah is having this great prayer, and he's like, "Lord, there's nothing too hard for you." And so he he's like, "God's really testing his faith here to buy this land." And uh, th- this is kind of there's there's like five verses in the in the in our New Testament that says, "With God, all things are possible." So I, I think of that when I think of this. And I, I gave you a cross-reference to Genesis with with 18 that uh, I think it was the Lord telling uh, Sarah, you know, when Sarah's faith was being tested, you know, if she's going to have a, a son in her old age when she's barren, and God says, is, is there anything too hard for me? And, and of course, the answer is no. And... Uh, so that, that was kind of my verse going into our, our pastor's retreat a month ago. Um, I had read it that day in my Bible going to the pastor's conference that with all things God is possible. And Angie's got a little hand towel on our by our stove that says all things are possible. And then I get to our pastor's retreat and it's at a Christian camp and uh, their shower curtain says all things are possible with God so it's like three times within an hour I'm reading the verse with God all things are possible so it's like wow okay I hear you Lord <laughs> and so that's what Jeremiah needed to hear and to know too that there's nothing too hard for our Lord and um Anyway, these next few verses, in 19 through 22, he kind of gives what I call kind of a time capsule of their uh, captivity in Egypt and how God delivered them out of that. And so Jeremiah is picking up that, you know, God can bring them back out of captivity from Babylon like they did uh, from Egypt. 
and I'll just read this uh, 19 and 20 and 21 says great in counsel and mighty in work for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt even unto this day and in Israel and among other men and has made thee a name as at this day and hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror and hast given them this land which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And... Uh, and then in verse 23, it kind of gives the reasons why they're going to captivity. It says, And they came in and possessed it, but number one, they obeyed not thy voice. Number two, neither walked in thy law. And number three, have done nothing of all thy, thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. So that, that would be kind of a key verse to show why they're going to captivity. And uh, anyway, in uh, verses 24 and 25, it says, Behold the mounts, they are coming to the city to take it, and the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and of the famine and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou hast seen it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money, and take witness, witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And so uh, it's just confirmation that uh, he's buying this land, and God can uh, redeem it later. And then uh, verses 26 through 35. I I thought uh, somebody read verses 31 and 32 if they would. uh, Diane, have you got those? For this city hath been to me as a provocation of my anger and of my fury from the day that they built it, even unto this day, that I should remove it from before my face because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah which they have done to provoke me to anger they, they their kings their princes their priests and their prophets and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem yeah and uh, I, I put on your handout there I, I just copied pretty much this uh commentary I was reading letter B under I got the wrong Roman numeral there don't I I went from 4 to 1 anyway on the back page uh, the cycle of sin of Jerusalem letter B God knew what kind of place Jerusalem was when he allowed the temple to be built there and his name to be placed there God knew how depraved the people would become but he, he intends to make it a beloved city that's what Romans 29 says where the name of it will be the Lord is there that's the last verse of Ezekiel and so anyway God God uh, 
kind of knew what he was getting into, and yet, uh, just just like with us, he he uh, placed his spirit in these earthen vessels, and he's uh, seen us uh, walk away from him and turn our back on him, and and that he wants to uh, predestine us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so he he keeps working on us just like he does his people Israel. Now this last uh, section, oh, I think uh, in 33 through 35, it mentions Molech. Where's that at? Which verse is that? Uh, 35. Yeah, uh, Pam Anderson, why don't you read verse 35 for us? And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and caused the second to pass through the fire unto the west, which I commanded them not, neither came in neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination because we were sin. Yeah, so we see the word uh, Baal a lot in our Bibles. And um, we, we could say a lot about it. It would be good to maybe read up on these some. Uh, he, he is referenced as a, a, the sun god. Uh, Baal was. And uh, kind of the female deity that matches up with him is Astroth. We, we see uh, Astroth is uh, a name in the Bible. It's more of a female deity. And, uh, and, and people worship her as the queen of heaven. And so there's some really... Uh, but here it mentions both Baal and Molech. And I put on here that Molech was kind of the national god of the Ammonites. And it it even mentions... So the word Molech is in our Bibles eight times. And this is the last mention of it right here. This is the eighth time. And uh, somehow they were sacrificing their children uh, to this false god. And I think just the pictures I've seen is like there's a fire in the the false god's belly and you put like your child on their hands and it 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 burns their 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 child and somehow you're appeasing the god or uh I don't know exactly all the reference of it the lord uh like Diana read it, it provoked him it was a day of provocation these things provoked him to anger and it was uh, abominable for them to do and and they learned this from some of the gods of the the Canaanites that were there and uh, anyway I thought that would be well to mention but I gave you some other references for that is there any other discussion on on Molech but anyway none of us can really imagine doing that (laughs) Um, and yet and yet we, uh, you know, it, it's more subtle sacrifices that we do. We, it's, uh, we, we lose our children to other things, other things that we've sacrificed. But anyway, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do this last section here then, 36 through 44. And we, we've seen this several times, but it's in, uh, why don't somebody read 
the second here. I guess we got time. Somebody read. Uh, let's do thirty-six through forty-one. Thirty-six through forty-one. Who wants to tackle that chunk? I will. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say, It shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger, and in my fury, and in great wrath. And I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Now, this is very encouraging to Jeremiah. You can imagine in verse 36 she read, uh, Therefore thus saith the Lord God. So so God is speaking uh, to the people through Jeremiah. And, and the last verse you read there, Pam, I will rejoice over them will do good to to do them good and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul so God has given him the confirmation that he needs and if you will look look with me at chapter 1 hold your place here and go back to Jeremiah chapter 1 I feel like uh, Jeremiah is being reminded of his calling because look at Jeremiah 1 verse 10 This is what God called Jeremiah to do. He says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. And here's what he's to do. To root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, and to build, and to plant. And so, like, four of these things are, like, negative. Don't, you know, you... You have to root out and pull down and destroy and throw down before you can build and plant. And so the verse that uh, Pam read there back in chapter 32, did everybody see that verse 41? He says, I will plant them in this land assuredly. So he is, uh, Jeremiah is reminded that God's going to plant them there again. And uh, that, that's what the remainder of this chapter is about, is about the regathering uh, of Israel and being planted in the land. And uh, we don't have our map out here, but uh, one thing I read this week, it says that uh, Israel today is only about a tenth of the size of the promised land. And uh, so it, anyway... I just thought that was interesting, just the, the term a tenth. They just they just got a tenth of what uh, was promised to them. But uh, anyway, Jeremiah is being reminded of his calling because all this whole book up to chapter 32, I mean, he's in prison for crying out loud. So yeah, uh, things are getting worse and worse and worse, but God is going to build, he is going to plant, and he is going to regather his people. 
and he's going to be their God and we, we talked uh, this everlasting covenant or this everlasting uh, yeah covenant is going to be what he makes with them in the millennium and is, is it next week or two weeks that you talk about the millennium whatever you want is, is the fourth week next week or I don't care <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when it is I think it's two weeks from today the fourth week is the 28th and today's the 14th. 14th so 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 in two weeks Jim's going to talk to us about the millennium and so I think that'll be really good and I'll, I'll be here I think and so I'll good. enjoy hearing that but uh, let's all go to the I left you one last blank there and uh, here, here's what I was going to have you put in your blank it's just Isaiah I think it's 11 verses 10 through 12. As I read this, I I just thought it really... uh, Isaiah 11. Isaiah, so it's right before Jeremiah. You going to take off Pam? I'm going to go on the east side. All right. All right. So who can read for us Isaiah 11, 10 through 12? Jim, you want you read it? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be covering this also. <clears throat> and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand over the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Which shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Athos, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. All right. And so that, uh, you know, the root of Jesse, that's, uh, you know, Jesse is King David's dad. And, you know, Jesus is many times called the son of David. So Jesus is that uh, root of Jesse. And the thing I like is in verse 11, 11, 11, it says that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. So those those are some key words, and it happens in that day. And so that's a, a prophetical reference to the uh, the millennial day the second coming of the Lord and uh, because and, and Jim said this a few weeks ago and it was true in the church I grew up in when, when we would read Jeremiah uh, or talk anything about it most people think when when God regathers his people it means when they come back from captivity into the land and historically that was true but doctrinally it says he's going to restore them the second time and so that that's what uh zionism is about and i got a chance to share this uh this last week when we were doing the concrete uh dawn there was a guy came and visited me on saturday and uh and you know, some churches believe that the church has taken the place of Israel, whereas we would take, uh, you know, some of these prophecies of Israel to be literal, 
and uh, that like Abraham's covenant was uh, unconditional that uh, it, it's still for today and God's not through with his people Israel and so the, the second time so he, he brings them back after Babylonian captivity but he doesn't give them a king and they're never a nation again until 1947 and uh, 48 1948 uh, yeah, I'm thinking 67 was yeah, six day war. the six day war but uh, anyway, so he's gathering them again the second time, like Isaiah mentions. And uh, anyway, just a lot of cool things there. And I think just with Jeremiah, this was this had to be comforting for him to hear. That uh, in fact, let, let's read these last four verses here, uh, forty-one through forty-four. Somebody, Sarah, do you want to read those for us? I'm lost my page. I'm getting the one. All right. We got five minutes, so we're 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 good. Wait, did you tell me 41 through 44? Yeah. 42 through 44. Sure. Either one. For thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon the people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And fields shall be bought in this land whereof you say it is desolate without man or beast. It is given to the land of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money and subscribe evidences and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin and in the places about Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah and in the cities of the mountains and in the cities of the valley and in the cities of the south for I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. So this return of the captivity, yeah. And uh, this promise of buying land and fields and houses again. So all this was very comforting. And uh, even, uh, I forget which chapter in Revelation it is, but it's where there is... there is a book that's sealed that only mm. only he only Christ can open and so that's what we read here that uh Jeremiah bought this land and uh part of the evidence was open part of it was sealed and so some people think that uh revelation is a reference to like the earth's land grant like uh right now uh, the devil is called the god of this world. He he's in control uh, of many things down here, but there's a book that's sealed that only the Lamb can open. And uh, some people believe that's like the 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 Earth's land grant that he can open this seal and read this book, and uh, he'll he'll be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we we want our Lord to have the rightful place. Uh, not only in our lives, but in this world. So, yeah. anyway, hopefully all that made sense, and glad you guys were here. And uh, make sure you show yourself friendly to people that there's probably people out here from Alabama we don't know, and uh, there's probably some other guests this morning. So, anyway, uh, uh, Don, would you mind praying, closing us out? You rather not? Okay, that's fine. Emma, would you pray for us, brother? Father, we just thank you for this time that we've had to study your word. 